Yeah, glad that you're here today. It's good to see uh, old faces, new faces, uh, regular faces. I don't know what you say. Uh, So good to have you here. I want to say a few things before we jump in today that are very important for this coming next little season that we're in. First of all, Friday, right here, Christmas Eve at Illuminate Church. It's going to be an incredible time together. The services begin at 3 and 6 p.m., but your start time to be here is 2.30 and 5.30, right? The time that the dentist needs to see you, lame joke, 2.30. Yeah, you're welcome. Jokes are free. They cost you nothing because they're worth nothing. And 5.30, because uh, there's a bunch of stuff that's going to be happening out in the breezeway, carolers, cocoa, anything else that rhymes with a C or begins with C. Uh, so just come early for that. I want you here in the house when we begin right on time, okay? You don't want to miss the opening part. You don't go to a movie 10 minutes late, unless, well, some of you do. That, that's just a chronic problem at that point. You don't go late to a movie. Don't show up late for the King of Kings. It's going to be incredible on Christmas Eve, the 24th. Two claps for Jesus. Come on. On the 26th, please don't show up to church. You will be by yourself out at the gate that won't be unlocked, and that'll be miserable for you and you alone. Stay at home in your pajamas, but don't skip it. We still are having church. It'll be online. By the way, hello to everyone who's watching online. Good to see you all. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Praise God. Uh, So stay in your jammies, drink some hot cocoa, hang out and have church. But I'm going to challenge you on the 26th, don't observe church, participate. Like when the worship team is worshiping, I dare you, I triple dog dare you (laughs) to stand up and actually sing in your house. And everyone's going to look at you like, your voice is crazy and you're wearing pajamas, you have bed hair and you'd be like, I don't care. In the name of Jesus. You just sing, okay? Are we all in agreement? I triple dog dare you. You have to do it now. It's just a matter of honor at this point. And finally, don't forget January 9th. There will also be no service here. January 2nd, we will be here. Normal times, 9 a.m., 11 a.m. You get here early. It's going to be incredible time. January uh, 2nd. But on January 9th, Don't come here again because we'll all be together at our new land. We are breaking ground. 10 a.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a special morning. Uh, I need to tell you, make sure that you bring your own chairs because there will be none. So bring those camp chairs you set out at the side of your kids' sporting games or, you know, when you go to melt in the heat here in Florida and watch a game, those chairs. And then also, no high heels. I'm looking at you, Jimmy Tate. No high heels, anybody. It will not work what we are doing out there. So bring your tennis shoes. It's totally fine to be casual. Wear your boots, whatever you want. The weather's going to be perfect, I'm declaring in Jesus' name. Just one layer of uh, a second layer, whatever you call that, another layer, whatever. Uh, Sweater weather, in other words. It's going to be amazing. I hope that you will be there. The service will last about 40 minutes. Then we're going to actually walk the land. And if you cannot walk, I mean physically, there's also something that will be easy for you to do as well. And... uh, Then we're going to have an after party. Bounce houses, cotton candy, uh, with the world's greatest cotton candy maker ever. Her name is Cindy Bone. Anyone know Cindy Bone? You ever seen the cotton candy she makes? Nothing like it on earth. I'm just saying. You're going to love that. And uh, food for everybody, gifts for everybody. But more than anything else, we turn the land over to the Lord, and it's going to be a special day. So I hope you all will be there. 
Okay, good. Hey, awesome. And if you're online, we're going to be uh, broadcasting live from there. So if you live here or in Defusky, South Carolina, Defusky, Pastor Aaron here and his family visiting from Defusky. There's two families here that I've met that are on vacation and came to church. That's awesome. My friends, Tim and Richard and Jennifer sitting here. I don't even know where y'all are from, but it sounds something not, you have an accent. For where? Boston. I thought you were from Britain. <laughs> you, my friend Joe Habilo back here, Tim, he's waving right now. He can't say anything but caw and pock and you guys will hang out later. Have a good time. He feeds the homeless two or three times a week. So make sure you hang out with that guy. He's a good guy to be with. All right. So let's jump into today. I have a gift for you because it's Christmas if you would like to have a gift. All right. Uh, it's not any kind of gift. It's the perfect gift. But listen to me, Couch Family. There's, you, you cannot receive a gift unless you physically receive it. Meaning, I could offer you all sorts of gifts, but if you won't receive it, then it just sits here. And so today, I want you, as you're hearing from the Lord through this message, position yourself spiritually, even physically, mentally, leaning in, saying, Lord, I want what you have for me. I'm unwilling to leave here without getting what you have for me. And it's not entitlement. It's not you saying, well, I deserve it. I'm a Christian. He better give me what I'm... No, it's not entitlement. It's expectation that he is a gift giver. And when he gives the gifts, it's up to us then to receive it. So you have a choice today, to receive or not to receive, that is the question, right? And I'm not talking about awkward gifts. We've all got those awkward gifts. Hi, mom and dad, remember that time? They're watching online. You gave me that watch and I opened it up and the face of it was broken. (laughs) I told the staff this. I, I read a story online the other day of a woman who gave her aunt, aunt, however you want to say that, socks for Christmas. That's awkward enough in itself until you hear the rest of the story that this woman forgot that her aunt had a double leg amputation. Like, I'm not sure if we should laugh or not, but it's kind of creepy. How'd you forget that? And then you give her socks and she's like, hand warmers? I don't know, but crazy so we're not going to give those kind of gifts away today we're giving away the perfect only no one's sure if you're allowed to laugh at that or not it's okay to laugh the lord loves her so before we give any gifts away today i want to ask you two questions that i need you to just to ponder with me and these are the kind of questions i ask of myself and and uh maybe i'm the only one but the first one is this what was december 25th like before jesus showed up you ever thought about that Like this entire incredible season that we experience that begins for some people in October and lasts through like the third week of January. If Jesus doesn't come, what happens? And specifically December 25th. Well, before Jesus showed up in some circles, they actually worshiped not the S-O-N like we worship. They worshiped the S-U-N. They believed and still to this day, it's a scientific thing. I mean, they, they, they believed in this thing called the winter solstice. Anyone here ever heard of the winter solstice or the summer solstice? I learned about the summer solstice while driving past Stonehenge in England one year. Yeah, summer solstice is June 21st. It's the longest day of the year. And you may say to yourself, well, aren't all days equal? Yes, they are. But one day has more sunlight than any other day. 
And so they call it the longest day of the year, the, the summer solstice, June 21st. And then you have the winter solstice, which is actually December 21st, but I guess back in the day, they made it December 25th, which was the shortest day of the year. Again, all days are equal. It's just the shortest amount of sunlight. Are you following me, Carter? So here we go. After December 25th, what they believed is that every day leading up to June 21st, was an increase of sun, more and more sun, the sun taking over. And so they worshiped the sun as it's inbreaking again across the globe. And they worshiped it in ungodly ways. They did ungodly things, this worshiping of the sun. That's what some did on December 25th. But for most people, December 25th was like March 9th, June 17th. September 22nd. Anybody have one of those three? Is that a birthday for somebody? <laughs> Did I name a birthday for somebody? Who? Uh, Zach. Vax. Zach's. Vax. Anyone else's birthday? What's your birthday? September 22nd. You get a birthday twin. Reesey over here. Yeah, for most of the rest of us, those are just normal days. Like, put your pants on, go to work. I don't know why, just your pants, but <laughs> put all your clothes on and go to work go to school do what's normal and i you know this december 25th occasionally before jesus came fell on a monday it still falls on mondays but can you imagine the wonder the splendor the majesty the awe the fun the family all of that that happens on christmas replaced with just another manic monday oh right that's what it was. It was a nothing day. It's just another day if Jesus had never come. That's one way to think about it. Here's the second question. Have you ever wondered what life was like before Jesus arrived? And I'm not talking about camels and linen ephods and dusty roads and sandals and temples and the Roman oppression and all these things. I'm talking about a general lack on the earth of everything that Jesus brought with him. It's not here because he's not here. Void of love. Like completely missing hope. Joy. Vacant. I mean, just not here. Before Jesus came to earth, life was mostly transactional. And I know in many ways it is still today, but like everything transactional. If you wanted some wheat from me, then I need some olive oil from you. And we made a trade. If you need to help shearing your sheep, then you're going to help me thatch my roof. They just, all these transactions going on between people all the time bartering. And not only that, uh, their life with God was transactional. It wasn't, for the most part, for most people, relational in the least. It was just a transaction. God was lawgiver and people were lawbreakers. And when people broke the law, restitution had to be made to put us back in right standing with God. And so you may remember the temple system of sacrifice. If Johnny said a curse word, then Johnny's got to bring a dove to the temple and sacrifice the animal to God. A bull or a goat. The transaction would go, I'm going to bring the life of an animal really paying the price for me because my life is owed to God and God is going to give me right standing with God. Restored relationship. 
And so over and over, this would happen. Oh, man, we messed up. We got to go kill a thing. Here we go. Boom, ba doom Are you good? We're good. Peace out. And then the next time, again and again, year after year, they would go and do this. And I'm just wondering at some point in hundreds of years of practicing this, thousands of coming and making these sacrifices, if at any point did this whole transaction lose its meaning? Did it feel like routine? Obligation? Did it feel like going to church on a Sunday in 2021? We just got to go through the process and got to show up, make the transaction with God. Be about the same as you and I walking into a bank and having a transaction today. When's the last time you walked into a bank and like, oh, reference, right? Whoa. And you give the teller your money or you take the money, whatever transaction you make. And then you're like, hallelujah. Thank you, God. And you walk out, right? doesn't make you Christian, by the way. It makes you weird. That's what it does. <laughs> Perhaps that's how many of you feel about church today as well. It's just an obligation where I got to go in and make a transaction because I had a rough week and I got to make sure that God's not mad at me and going to crush me. I got to come here and show my face just to make sure that I earn God's love. Can we just crush that lie of the enemy right now? Everybody, if you haven't looked at me yet, look at me now. Believe me now, now, now. You cannot earn what is free. And God's love is free. All you have to do is receive his love. Now, yes, thousand times over, I want you to be at church or online watching church. I want you to be in the company of the saints. I want you to hear one another testifying in worship as we just did. When you're singing, you're testifying. I want us to all sit together under the counsel of the word and let it heat us up together, unified under his word. But listen, coming to church on Sunday does not earn you any more love. There's nothing you can do that'll make God love you more. And the flip side of it is there's nothing you can do that would make God love you less. He loves you. It's free. You just got to receive it. So what was life like before Jesus? What was December 25th like if Jesus had never come? Here's the great news for us. The Savior, Jesus, came to earth. And here is what the prophet Isaiah wrote about the arrival of Jesus. As Pastor Kim noted this last week, uh, 700 years before Jesus showed up, this was spoken of him. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up to Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses just 6 and 7. Here we go. For to us, who's the us? Raise your hand if you're the us. That's right. Go ahead. Praise God. A child is born. To us, a son is given. His name is Jesus. They didn't know that then. We live in the light of history that this is Jesus whom Isaiah is speaking about. And the government will be on Jesus' shoulders. And he will be called, Jesus will be called, Jesus is. It's no longer future tense. This is now. He is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Of the greatness of Jesus' government and peace, there will be no end. Jesus will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time, the day he arrived, on and forever, which includes 2021, December 19th, at 10, blah, 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 whatever time it is, or 11, 11.35, I can't see that far. 
45? I better hurry up. <laughs> At 11.35, forever and ever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this promise. The zeal, the unquenchable eagerness, the unstoppable force of God's heart will accomplish the very thing that Isaiah is promising here. And we know it to be true because we've seen it. We're on the other side of it. Isaiah's prophecy wasn't a guess or a hope or a wish. It was a prophetic truth that has come true. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. With the, without the arrival of Jesus, we don't get these things. This is who he is. It's stored up in his bosom. And when he came to earth, he brought these things. So if he hadn't come to earth, December 25th would be December 25th. Life before Jesus would be life without Jesus today. And this is why we celebrate the birth, this birth, more than any other birth. This birth of Jesus. Some have forgotten, perhaps most, but let us not forget. It's the reason why we decorate our houses beginning in October. It's the reason we put twinkling lights up on our roof to our great peril. Watch yourself on them ladders, ladies and gentlemen. It's the reason that we give and receive gifts because the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, it's the reason we feast at Christmas time. It's the only reason. We've made it about a lot of other reasons. But it's the reason for nothing and no one has meant more to all of the earth than the arrival of Jesus Christ, that first Noel. If there's no Jesus, there's no Christ. And without Christ, there's no Christmas, right? And also without Christ, there is no wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is a God in heaven, but we don't know him personally because he never came in human form. We don't know how to interact with him. And we don't know that he empathizes with us and has compassion for us because he never came, if he never came. But he came. He arrived. I have an idea today of how we can all make a lot of money. Sound good, Cheryl? Amen? Some of you have never paid attention, and now you are. You're like, I've never taken notes till right now. Here's the idea. We're going to invent a gift that when opened by the receiver becomes exactly what that person needs. This is genius, isn't it? Whenever they open the gift, they're going to look at you like, how did you know? This is exactly what I needed. Who told you? Somebody told you. Like, oh, man, that's just the way the gift works. When I give it to you, by the time you open it up, it becomes exactly what you need. I mean, if we do this, we're going to be very rich. We're going to be able to buy one of everything on Amazon. <laughs> and Amazon. All of it. I'm just saying, it's a lot of money. Well, you'll probably already know this. God's already beaten us to the punch. He invented this before time existed. He invented it before we knew how much we needed it. He made it knowing we would need it even when we didn't know we needed it. When Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world that he gave to us a gift, his one and only son, God gave a gift to humanity, to you, that when opened becomes exactly what the very person opening it needs. Very, very personal to each person. 
And instead of shouting, like, I really needed this, there's something that happens when a person receives the gift of Jesus that our soul begins to whisper out to God, how did you know? This this is exactly what I need. It's you, Jesus. I've looked for other things. I've opened other gifts. I've wanted other things. But the only thing I ever needed, I found wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, hanging from a cross, walking out of an empty tomb, ascending into heaven. I found what I actually needed. You're going to need to make a new list. All right, so tear up your old list. Some of you have got these apps now you can put in lists and all your family know what's going on. What's the name of that list? Elvely? Elfster? Yeah, you can put it in and then your, your friends buy it and it goes away and then they have to buy something else. I mean, it's pretty cool. Or you sent your list to your grandparents or whatever. Yeah, I want you to tear up that list because those are things you want, right? I want you to take out a new piece of paper or your phone and write at the top this list, one list, what do I need this Christmas? Like, what, is you, what do you really need? What is your heart crying out for? What do you, like, if I could swim up and take a breath, I'm drowning here, I gotta gasp this one breath of something. What is that something? What do you, what do you need this Christmas? And I'll just suggest this to you. Whatever you need, Jesus is that. Plain and simple. He is the gift that becomes exactly what you need when you open it, when you receive it. This Christmas, you need Jesus. We all need Jesus, myself included. As I just read in Isaiah, Jesus is many things. Lots of things. So if today you're in need of wisdom, if you need to know which path to take, which course of action to follow, know this, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Wonderful counsel comes from Jesus. If you feel weakened by what's happened in this past season, whether that's emotionally, physically, spiritually, you talk about it, whatever it is, I want you to know Jesus is mighty God. You can rest in his strength. In fact, in his, in our weakness, his strength is perfected. If you are tired of relationships that falter, that repeatedly let you down, I want you to know this. Jesus is everlasting, never failing, always committed, devoted to you, Father. And if you had a hard relationship with your earthly father, Jesus is not that. He's the everlasting, ever-loving, ever-present one. That's Jesus. And if this world is in chaos and you can't really figure out if you're coming or going, you feel out of whack, then know this. Jesus is Prince of Peace. Whatever you need, that's what he is. Not whatever you want, and sometimes what you need, he knows better and gives you something else even than that. You think, well, I need this. And like, no, 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 what you really need is this. And so when you open the gift, it becomes what you actually need. That's just four of over 50 names for Jesus. And each name is a gift. Each name is an expression of Jesus' ability to be all things to all people at all times. Meaning you right now. Whatever you need, he will be that for you in this place. Whatever you need, Jesus is the perfect gift. I have a list here, and so what I'd like you to do, if you don't mind, just let me shepherd you for a moment. If you take out a phone or a piece of paper, go ahead. 
This is where you get a chance to receive the gift or not. I'm going to read some of other Jesus's, some of Jesus's other names. And there's going to be one, maybe two, that really hit your heart. You're like, my goodness, he's speaking to me. And when I say he, I mean he, not me. The Lord God, through his word, speaking to you, saying, this is the gift you need this Christmas. And I wanted you to hear it today. It's why I brought you to church. So hear it and capture it so that you can meditate on it this week. Are we all together? Say yes. yes. Online, are you paying attention? Good, I heard you. Praise God. Is this, is this you? Do you feel like no one has your back? Do you feel like you don't have a voice in certain situations? I want you to know, according to 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, that Jesus is advocate. He will advocate for you. He will stand up on your behalf and defend your cause. Do you feel like your faith is shipwrecked? That you feel bankrupted in your faith? Know this, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. Is that for you? Is that the gift you need to receive? Do you feel unsatisfied with life? Unsatisfied with the current state of affairs? Know this, Jesus is the bread of life, according to John chapter 6, verse 35. So eat upon him and you will be satisfied. Does any part of you feel unstable? Your finances, your relationships, your mental health. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is the rock upon which we can build our lives. You can find that in Psalm 118, verse 22, or 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I'm giving you the address of the scripture so you don't just think I'm making things up out of thin air, but you know, according to the word of God, this is who Jesus is for you. And I'm just getting started. Is any part of you in bondage? Any part of you chained to past hurts, failures, shame? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 tells us that Jesus is deliverer. Hmm. Are you lost in need of direction or someone to protect you? Jesus is the good shepherd, never leading his sheep astray. John chapter 10, verse 11. Do you feel alone? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and you can't spell us without you. God with you. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Anyone feel like our world is void of great leadership? I'll wait. I see those hands. Yeah. Jesus is the king of kings. Every other authority bows to the king of kings. That's Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. Anyone feel like they've messed up too much and you can't repay God for what you feel like needs to be repaid? Here walks Jesus, the lamb of God, who was sent to the earth to pay for all our debts. John chapter one, verse 29. Do you feel surrounded by darkness and evil? spiritual warfare creeping at your door. Jesus is the light of the world and the darkness has not overcome the light. John chapter 8 verse 12. Do you need rescue from a situation that you're in? Jesus is Messiah, which means he's the promised deliverer, the promised savior. John chapter 141, Luke chapter 2, 11. Are you hopeless? You better believe Jesus is our hope. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Are you warring in your mind? Are you warring with other people? Jesus is peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14. Are you still here, people? Okay, are you wondering about which path to walk to have the most powerfully abundant life possible? You know these words, Jesus is the way, the truth, 
and the life. John 14, 16, are you worried about a loved one dying this Christmas season? Are you worried about your own death? Jesus said out of his own mouth, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 11, verse 25. Do you need counsel from an authority? Do you need wisdom that lasts for ages? Jesus says, I am the word made flesh. This is where we turn. John chapter one, verse one. Do you feel disconnected? Are you longing to be part of a family? In John chapter 15, verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine. Meaning you can be connected, grafted in your lonely, isolated branch, connected to the life-giving heart of God. And then you get to call yourself sons and daughters and you get to look at God up in heaven, big, authoritative God and say, Abba, Father. And finally, anyone here feel defeated? You don't have to raise your hand. Does anyone here feel like you're kind of, for lack of a better term, a loser? Like everyone else may think you're great, but internally you're like, ah, oh, man. Meet Jesus. According to Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, he is the victorious one. That gives me a shiver. Each of these names and many more that I did not list are representations of God fulfilling his promise to send to the earth an answer for every human who's ever lived and who's currently living and whoever will live. He sent one answer who takes on so many forms, it is mesmerizing. And all of these answers that Jesus becomes and has become were prophesied about. They were spoken about by guys named Daniel and Jeremiah and in the book of Genesis, I mean, we read, and Isaiah that we just read, they're all prophesied. Like, hey, one day someone's gonna come and do this. And and then one day somebody's gonna come and do, oh no, no, hundreds of years before that, one day someone's gonna come and do this. When Jesus arrived to the earth, he fulfilled all these prophecies and became the one answer to everyone's question. You may have heard this before, and I think it's worth repeating as often as possible what I'm about to share with you. But there was once a professor who decided to look out, uh, to study, to figure out the probability that one man, Jesus, could fulfill the prophecies all in the Old Testament, spoken about. And so he decided to say, hey, I'm going to start with eight prophecies. I'm going to look at eight prophecies that Jesus absolutely fulfilled And I'm going to do the math and find out the odds that one man could become the fulfiller of eight biblical prophecies. So he took his 600 students, just over 600 students, and he put them to work. And each student did a couple, uh, lots of hours of work. So you can imagine there's thousands of man hours working on this problem until the students finally come together, studying all the probability, all the odds, all the statistics. They're really big brain people. And they come up with an answer and say, hey, for one man to fulfill eight prophecies, it's this number. And they're like, okay, okay, that's great that we've come up to this number, but let's take our answer and give it to some really, really, really big brain people. The American Scientific Affiliation. And they took the numbers, they crunched them, and they came back and said, hey, your numbers are right on. These These are true numbers. And here it is. For Jesus to have fulfilled just eight prophecies, here are the odds. One 
in 100 quadrillion. That's a lot of zeros. If just to follow along, it goes millions, billions, trillions, quadrillions, equal to the amount of U.S. debt in the next three years. <laughs> Sad but true. Yeah. It's such a huge number, one to the 17th power. And somebody else then made it really interesting and said, you know, people don't understand how ridiculously impossible it is that one man fulfilled eight prophecies. And they made a word picture of it. He said, take a quarter, just like this one, and paint it red. All right, just one quarter. Now hold on to that quarter. Now take the state of Texas, the entire state of Texas, 268,000 square miles, Texas. Texas has a ranch so large. It's the largest ranch in the world. It's called King Ranch. You might have seen some Ford trucks with that on its side, right? It's larger than the state of Rhode Island. Just this ranch inside of Texas. Texas is larger than the United Kingdom. Texas would be the 40th largest country in the world if it was a country in and of itself, which many times they think they are a country in and of themselves. So take all of that space, and I used to live in Texas, and we would wake up at 6 a.m. and drive west for 12 hours in a motorhome and still be in Texas on I-10 and get to El Paso where my grandparents lived. It's big. It's way, way, way big. Now take the entire state of Texas and line it with quarters two feet deep. Hmm. Hello? Like roughly here, right? Is that about two feet? Two feet deep. Now take your red quarter, put it in a helicopter, and fly with a blindfold on around Texas. I don't recommend this. And at some random point, chuck the quarter up into the blades of the rotor, let it fling it somewhere that nobody knows where it is, and let it fall somewhere randomly in the state of Texas. Now you go to Texas, fly over the top of it, and at some point parachute out. And when you land, jam your hand down into the quarters, and the chances of one man fulfilling eight prophecies is the same as you randomly sticking your hand in the middle of the state of Texas, in the middle of a pile of quarters, two feet deep, and plucking out on your first try, the red one. Do you feel how impossible that is? One in 100 quadrillion to fulfill eight prophecies. This would be a great story if Jesus had actually fulfilled eight prophecies. But he didn't fulfill eight. He didn't fulfill 10, not 20, not 50, not 100, not 200, 456 prophecies. One man and only one man. His name is Jesus. The odds of one man fulfilling 456 prophecies is this number. That's 157 zeros. I know because I put them in there myself. (laughs) But I use big brain. I did 15 at a time, copy and paste, did that 10 times, added seven more. See? Yep. Go Gators, University of Florida education. Jesus, here's the point. By the way, let me, somebody told me this after the first service. 
Like, you, you forgot the second illustration. You, do, you told the quarter one, you didn't tell the second one. I'm like, what's the second one? He said, if you took one atom and painted it red and flung it into the universe and then flew around on Star Trek Enterprise and reached randomly out into the sky and grabbed one atom out of the universe, that's that number. Difficult. And Jesus did it. God fulfilled his promise. And here's the point. Jesus is the only person will ever be the only person who could be what the world needed. It's him and no one else. No one has done, no one has fulfilled, no one has become what Jesus has become. Let's say this out loud together. Would you just repeat after me? Jesus is the only person who could ever be what you need. Yeah, that's not personal enough. Say it this way. Jesus is exactly what I need. As you sit here today, what is it that you need? Jesus is that. There's no other answer. There's none so grand, none so good nature as Jesus. So the choice is yours today. Walk out or receive the gift. Keep needing desperate for the breath of air or pause and say, I'm going to receive what God has for me today. Again, it's not a demand. It's not entitlement. It's just an expectation that his goodness came to earth for a reason. And it's to minister to your soul, to bring you out of the miry clay and set your feet on solid ground. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's clearly what Christmas is about. I want to ask the encouragers to come forward. And as they do, I want to tell you one last story. In the Bible, in Luke chapter 18, at the very end of Luke chapter 18, there's a story. Come on, encouragers. Uh, where there's a man sitting on the side of the road and he's blind. And he hears a commotion going on around him. And he's like, what's this noise all about? He's talking to his friends like, hey, what's going on? Right? And they say to him, Jesus is walking by. And so he's like, dude. Is that the one who's been healing people? Like, he doesn't say dude. He doesn't doesn't question. He knows. He's heard the stories. And so him, knowing what he needs, clear about who the answer is for what he needs, yells out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Meaning, come heal me. See me in my spot. Be to me what I need. You know what his buddies did? They're like, hey man, you're making a ruckus. You ought to just sit in your seat at church. You ought not to go down for prayer because people are going to look at you. It's going to make a scene. You ought to just stay comfortable. You ought to just stay needy. And so the guy's like, okay. And he lived the rest of his life blind. Nope. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe you don't know the story. It's almost as if he's like, I don't care what you all are saying. Because my remedy is about to pass by and I'm not going to let it pass by. I'm going to open the gift that's standing right here in front of me. So like, hey, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. He says all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He keeps shouting it because he don't care what anybody else thinks. He just needs the healing and he knows the healers in the room. And so he walks, Jesus walks over to the man gives him what he needs because he became for that man what that man needed he'll be the same thing for you so come on blind people let's cry out to jesus today
Every week, listen, this is going to sound almost manipulative. I'm going to step up to the edge of uncomfortability here, and I'm all right with that because you're going to go home and have Christmas treats and that'll make you feel better. Every week, we offer the opportunity to come and pray. The healer is in the room. Jesus is passing by. And the own voice in our own head says, be quiet, sit down, don't say anything. People are going to look at you funny if you go forward for prayer, which is crazy to me because nobody looks at anybody funny for walking into the hospital when their arm is hurt. So why should we look funny coming to the place of healing each and every Sunday? We should be rejoicing like, wow, praise God, that person's going to get healed. I'm going to go get healed. I don't even know what I need to go forward for, but I'm going forward because Jesus is in the room. Whatever I need is up there. Now, granted, you can sit in your seat and do the same thing. I get it. But it's almost like Jesus responded to the man's willingness to be desperate. Nothing will stop me from getting what Jesus is for me. So here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pray. Pastor Paul, I'm throwing a curveball. I'm just going to wrap up service. So like you're standing back there for no reason, but I want to honor you. I love you. (laughs) When I'm done praying, I'm going to have you respond. If there's something you need, come and get it. The Savior, the Healer, the Director, the Counselor, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Victorious One is in the room. Your Advocate the author and perfecter of your faith. Whatever it is that you needed, he's in the room. So linger and receive what only Jesus can give you. Small side note, please don't forget, Friday, 3 p.m., 6 p.m., come half an hour early, online, join us online for both of those services. Kids ministry at both services. If you're brand new, stop by the green tent. We love you. Would you all stand as we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, for those here and those online, if you're online and you need prayer, just type in the comment section there. I need prayer. I want Jesus. I need Jesus. No answer for me but Jesus. And here in the house, God, would you minister to our spirits, the healers in the room? We don't want to leave. We don't want to walk away without getting the gift, the perfect gift that you are and opening it up and saying, man, God, that is exactly what I needed. I came in broken, changed, shamed, uh, discouraged, just tired, weary, whatever, isolated, alone. I'm not going to leave that way because I'm going to go and receive the gift of Jesus. And Jesus, we just look to you. You are mesmerizing. You astound us that what you have done, who you are, and what you continue to be for us is life and breath. And we cling to you as if air, oxygen, food and water, life and light. It is you and you alone, King Jesus. We do hail your name in the house today. And Father, now put feet, action to your word as people receive the gift of Jesus again and again. It's in his mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I invite you, come now, linger with Jesus. God bless you.